Bibles to Psalm 91 to begin with. Psalm 91. Um, this year, the Lord has uh, He gave us He gave us a word for the for the first of the year, and He told us, you know, and of course we in January or actually probably in November when the Lord gave us that word, uh, we had no idea what what 2020 would hold and you know what it would look like. But the word the Lord gave us for this year was that we were to see things. We, that we were to look at things the way God looked at them. That we were to see things the way God saw things. And, you know, so we started along those lines talking about that, about seeing seeing the way God sees, uh, seeing our circumstances, looking at them the way God looks at them. How many of you know that that one of the one of the awesome things about God is that He's not up in heaven twiddling His thumbs and 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 sweating and and worrying, saying, "Oh man, I didn't see this one coming." You know, he, he's got everything under control. Amen. He saw this beforehand and he prepared us. The, the incredible thing about God is that he prepares us, uh, for the future if we will just allow him to do that. Amen. And one of the things that we find as you read the Bible and as you study the Bible, you'll find that, that he, uh, that he introduces himself and he will reveal himself to us in ways that will help us. And for example, like here in Psalm 91, the Lord had me at the first of the year to to read Psalm 91 every morning, and so I've been I'm do, I've been doing that the whole year, and uh, and I was reading it this morning, and, and he showed me, he reminded me again because we're starting a new series today. On I, I mentioned this earlier, but we're starting a new series today on the names of God, and the importance of the names of God, and how God reveals Himself to us through names, and and like when we encounter a situation. When we come across a situation or a trial or a, a crisis or or anything like that, you know, a lot of times God will God will show who He is through a revelation of of His name, and and we'll see that throughout the Old Testament. We're going to look as we look. We've probably got about I don't know ten or twelve names that we're going to look at. Probably there's there's probably as many as sixty or seventy different ways that different combinations that He introduced Himself, and you know, and one of the things that that is really unfortunate, I guess, and from one standpoint, is that from from the from the English translations of the Bibles that we read, a lot of times um, it just simply says the name God or Lord. And if you don't if you don't study that, if you don't dig in and see what that original name was, you know, you'll just overlook that and not realize that 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 little phrase God that is in the Bible that sometimes you know it just says that God said or God did this or God did that. That could be 15 different names. And he could be revealing himself in a different way. And all we see is God. You know, so you have to really, you have to really dig into this and, and to see this. But here, for example, in Psalm 91, uh, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but, but he showed me two things to, to share with you again this morning. Uh, the first two verses says this in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High uh, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, and in Him I will trust. There's four different names that He uses in those two verses. The first, in the first verse it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That most, the, the phrase Most High is the name El, El Elyon. And that means, that just means the High One, the Supreme One. If you go on down, and, and, and we're going to teach, we'll, actually we're going to hit on all four of these names later, but I just wanted to show you an example that like sometimes we see these names, we read these verses, and it just goes, you know, we don't realize 
the, the depth that is in this verse. Then he goes on to say that, uh, you know, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That word Almighty is the word Shaddai. And, you know, so, you know, and it's where we hear, we hear the word El Shaddai a lot, the name. But, but he says that, you know, El Shaddai is the Almighty One. Man, I mean, that's, you know, just, just a wealth of information there. Then it says, I will say of the Lord, that word Lord there is the word Jehovah, is the name Jehovah. And it says, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, that, that phrase, my God there, that is the word Elohim. In the, and, and probably next week we're going to look at the word Elohim, but in the first three chapters of the Bible in creation, that is the first name that we get introduced to God and where it says, and, and you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, that name God in the first three chapters of Genesis is the, is the name Elohim. And, and Elohim simply means the creator. It means the one that creates. And, you know, so, so the very first thing that he, the very first way he introduces himself to us is as the creator. And that's the first couple chapters of, in the book of Genesis. Now skip down to look at verse, uh, verse number 14. And look at this from the Amplified. I love this out of the Amplified. And, and you know, in Psalm 91 verses uh, 14, 15, and 16 is God speaking back to us. And this is God's reply to us or God's response as we, as we hide in the secret place and as we abide in Him. But in verse 14 it says this, and this is God speaking to us now. He says, because He has set His love upon me, therefore will I deliver Him. I will set Him on high. Now listen to this. Because He, ha- because he knows and understands my name. Did you see that? It says, he said, because you know and understand his name, he will set you on high. And then the Amplified adds that little, uh, the little block there. It says that you have a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness. You trust and rely on me knowing I will never forsake you. No, never. See, when you understand his name, then you, you start understanding certain attributes about him. And you start seeing the importance of, of understanding who He is. Here it says, because we understand His name, and we know and understand His name, He will set us on high. He will promote us. He will protect us when we understand who He is. That, that's, that's enough right there. We should say, man, I want to know more about that. Amen. Now, throughout the, throughout the, the Scripture, like we said, you see the word God and the word Lord, and, and you know, and, and you just, a lot of times we just breeze right over that, and we don't really, we don't really dig into that to see what he's saying to us there. But, but the Bible refers, like I said, there's, I don't know, I mean, there's probably hundreds of different names that the, that the scriptures, re, uh, you know, refer to God as. And we're, and we're gonna look at the main ones and, and there's a lot of combination names and different things like that. You remember when, uh, Joseph Morris was here a couple weeks ago, and, and I've taught this too, but he mentioned the first ten names of the Bible. And you know, and now we have to understand that in in biblical times, or in the in the early times when the Bible was being written, the Old Testament especially, that uh, there was much more a significance on names. Like when when you know, uh, it wasn't just because somebody else in your family was named that that they named a child after that. They a lot of times God would speak to them and say, "Name your child this." Or, you know, they would see an attribute of them or they would have something prophesied over them and they would know that their child would be a certain way. And throughout the Old Testament, it's amazing, when, when you see somebody, somebody by name, 
that is one, you know, a lot of times their attributes match their name. And the Old Testament is full of that. You see that time and time again. Well, from the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 5, can you put that picture up there, Paul? I'll put that uh, picture on there, uh, or a thing on there. From Genesis chapter 5, when it gives the genealogy, um, and and Brother Joseph mentioned this when... uh, and it's here, but notice on the left here we see the ten, the the first ten names of the Bible. This, this is you know the genealogy. You have Adam and Seth and Enos and Canaan and uh, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. Now you know for the just for the general thing, you think well that's you know that's just a good list of names. But if you study that out and you see what those names meant. Look at what those, look at, if you read that in succession, listen to what God said about, you know, when He named the first ten people. Man is appointed to mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down preaching. His death shall bring the despairing rest. That's the plan of redemption in the first ten names of the Bible. And see, so God thinks that names are important. He, he puts significance on names. And we see that even in even in this that that you know something as simple as just ten names. A lot of times, a lot of times we read the genealogies throughout Scripture and we think, well, that's no big deal. But you would have missed the whole plan of redemption if you didn't know that. You know, for example, and and I think Joseph talked about this before, but but you know, Methuselah is an interesting character in this because his name his name meant when you know his death will bring, and basically everybody knew that when Methuselah died, that his death was going to bring, the, he, it was going to bring something, uh, you know, something from God. It was going to bring the end from God, so to speak. So could you imagine every time Methuselah got a cold or a cough, everybody was like, oh, are you okay, Methuselah? Don't die on us. Because, because they knew his name meant when he died, the end was coming. And of course, we know this, that it, w- it wasn't until after Methuselah died, that it was right after Methuselah died, that the flood came. He was, the, he was one of the last ones to die before the flood came in Noah's day. And of course, you see that, that, that you know, after Methuselah, Noah, uh, Noah was on there, and that Noah means rest, and that God, but God had a plan for that. Amen. But you know, it's interesting, to, it, it's really interesting as you go through the, the names to see what the names mean and different things like that. Now, it's it's interesting when you go through the book of Psalms because Psalm David uh, David had an understanding of this. David was a unique character because um, David was a man that was really uh, before his time, so to speak. He understood worship. He understood God. He understood all kinds of things that was going on. And David. Throughout the book of Psalms, David would say things like, we're just going to look at a few Psalms this morning, but look at Psalm 8 to begin with. And, and um, this is just really an introduction. I'm, I'm, we're going to, I'm not necessarily going to talk about one name today. I'm just, we're going to lay a foundation for the, for the series that we're going to be doing here in the next few weeks. So in Psalm chapter 8, um, the psalmist says this. We'll read this, we'll, we'll read this entire uh, psalm here. And it's only nine verses, but but David said this. He said, "O Lord," uh, he said, "O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth! Who have set your glory above the heavens?" So, so the first thing we see here, he's saying, he's saying, "Lord, Lord, how excellent is your name!" 
David knew that the name of the Lord was, was excellent. He knew that the name of the Lord was to be praised. We're going to see that as we read this. Verse 2, he goes on to say this. He said, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now listen to what David said. He said this. He said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers. I love that phrase. Notice David didn't say, when I consider the heavens and, and how great they are and how, how strong you had to be to do all of this. And, and man, you must be so huge and so big. David just said this. He said, when I, when I look up into the heavens and I see the heavens, he said, I consider the work of your fingers. David's like, you're so big that what you did here on the earth only took your fingers doing the work. It didn't take your, it didn't necessarily take your hands and your arms and your shoulders and everything you had. He said, when I consider the heavens, I look at the work of your fingers. How many of you know that the Bible tells us that God holds us in the palm of His hands? Gosh. I mean, what an incredible scripture just to meditate on and think about. So he says, he says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him, talking about us, talking about mankind, you have made him a little lower than the angels. And actually, that, that word lower, that's really a bad translation of that, because it's really, or the word angels, I should say, because that really, it, the, what the Scripture says is this, you have made man a little lower than God. We, we, are, we are above the angels. The angels are not greater than we are. I mean, man, that's a whole other sermon. I'll let, you, I'll let you take that home and chew on that. So he says, and actually the Amplified even says that, yet you have made him a little lower than God or the heavenly beings. So, so it says that you have made him a little lower than God. And it says you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. And then look at verse 9. He sums it up and he says this again. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So he said it again, basically to sum it up. He started it with that and he ended it with that. How excellent is your name. The psalmist knew that the name of God was to be praised. He knew that there was something special about the name. Turn over to Psalm 5, and we'll just go through, we'll do this in order from here. So we'll just flip through the Psalms just a little bit. In Psalm 5, verse 11, now we could, you understand, we could go through, there was like over 140 references that I came across in the, just in Psalms alone that talked about the name of the Lord. So we could, we could spend all day in, in Psalm talking about seeing what David said about this. But I wrote down about five or six here that I just want to look at real quick as we lay this foundation about what it means to, to have the name of the Lord and to understand the name of the Lord. So in Psalm 5 verse 11, it says this, David said this, he says, but let all those who rejoice, but let, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. And the first part of that, he says, you know, if you put your trust in you, then, then let them shout for joy because you will defend them. Those that put their trust in your name. Man, I mean, what, a, what an incredible, what an incredible passage. Uh, Psalm 29, verse 2. We'll go through these just real quick. 
Psalm 29, verse 2. I just wanted to show you like David's picture or David's thought about the name, about the names of God and the importance of that. Uh, Psalm 29, verse 2, he says this, give unto, the, uh, give unto the Lord the glory due His name. So there's glory due the name of the Lord. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Look at Psalm 34, verse 3. Psalm 34, verse 3. David said this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. So His name is due uh, honor and worship. His name is to be praised. It says, let us exalt His name together. Psalm 72. Psalm 72, verse 17. David said this, Psalm 72, verse 17. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in Him. All nations shall call Him blessed. The name of the Lord will last forever. Praise God. Psalm 83, 18. Psalm 83, 18. I'm just, I'm just showing you this just so you'll see... Um, you know, just so you'll see the importance that David, or the, the significance, maybe I'll put, the significance David put on the name of the Lord. And, of course, just even that phrase, the name of the Lord, there's so much in that, because, because there's so many different names that we're going to see and that we'll look at. In uh, Psalm 83, verse 18, David said this, he says, "...that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord are the most high over all the earth. That, that they may know whose name alone is the Lord. David said, you are the only one that could be called the Lord. Jehovah. The Great One. The Mighty One. He says, you alone are worthy of that. And you are the most high over all the earth. And see, now every one of these, there again, every one of these, we can look at the meaning or the word behind, the name behind these words, and you'll see the significance of that. And we're going to come back and later on we'll see some of those as we, as we dig into this. Psalm 135. Just one or two more here and then we'll look at a couple different things. Uh, Psalm 135 verse 13. David said this, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all the generations. So there, here again, we see, he says, your name will endure forever. Amen. And the incredible thing, now listen, well, let me, let me look at this last one. Proverbs 18. This, is, this one's in Proverbs. But Proverbs 18, verse 10. Proverbs 18, 18 verse 10. Solomon, he said this, in, in Proverbs 18, verse 10, he says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Come on. And the righteous run to it and they are safe. So now let's think about the name for a minute. What you know, let's let's look at this and, and see. Because in the Old Testament there's so many in the Old Testament there's so many uh Different names and different ways that you can that you can look at that and and see the different names and everything that that he had for himself. But one thing we're gonna as we because we're gonna look at the Old Testament names first. But here's something you got to realize: 
for you and I, because I hear a lot of, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, the Old Testament, I'm not so much into the Old Testament, I just want to stay in the New Testament, and, and we're in the New Covenant and everything. But you'll find this, that in, in Jesus, we have every name, we see every name that is revealed in the Old Covenant, we see put into practice in Jesus' life and in His teaching. So as we look at these names, we're going to fast forward and we're going to go into the New Testament and we're going to see it put into practice, put into real life forms that you and I can use to see how the names that we see God reveal Himself, how you and I can apply them to our everyday life. Because if you don't see, if you don't see it in Jesus, then, then it's not there. Because Jesus is the full expression, the perfect image of His Father. They, the, his disciples even asked Him, show us the Father. And he said, he said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. So every time that God revealed Himself to them in the Old Testament as being the God who provides, the God who heals, the God that's more than enough, I mean, the, the, the Lord our righteousness, you know, there's so many of them we'll see. Every time you see one of those in the Old Covenant, you can, you can turn to the new and look in the life of Jesus and see that played out in His life. That's incredible. And we're going we're gonna to journey through the life of Jesus and see that. But here's a couple of things I want you to remember and to consider about the names of God as we start to get into this. The first one, and this is so important that you understand this, that these names were not given to God by man. This is not something that man came up with and, and they, they, you know, it's not something that man just saw God do something and then say, oh, well, let's put this name to that. The names that we're going to look at and, and when God revealed Himself and when God spoke to these people, uh, that the stories that we'll read, when God spoke to them and revealed Himself to them, you're, we, we need to make sure that we understand that these names came from God, not man. Because the importance of that is this, because every time that he revealed a, a name to the, to the people and to the, to the nation of Israel and, and to whoever he was talking to, it was to reveal something about himself. He, if he wanted to reveal himself to somebody, he would show up and say, this is who I am. Now, one of the things you'll find is this, that many times, uh, he, many times when he would reveal himself, it would be in the middle of a crisis, right? It would be in the middle of a, a time when, when, you know, take Abraham, for example. When Abraham took Isaac up to sacrifice him, God told him, said, you know, take, take your son, your only son, and go offer him as a sacrifice. And, you know, and, and they're going up there, and, 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 you know, Isaac looks at, uh, looks at, uh, uh, his dad, and he says, Dad, he says, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where's the, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And what, did, and what did Abraham tell him? Abraham says, Son, God will provide, for, provide Himself a lamb. They get up to the top of the mountain. He builds the altar. He ties Isaac up and puts him on the altar and is getting ready to sacrifice him there. And then, and then that's when the angel or, or the voice from heaven speaks to him and says, Abraham, Abraham, don't do it. Don't, you know, I know that in your heart you would have done this. And he says, he says, look behind you. There's a ram caught in the thicket. And he turned around and sure enough, there was a ram caught in the thicket. And Abraham took Isaac off the altar that day and offered that, that, that lamb. And what he did, God introduced himself to Abraham right in the middle of a crisis 
But he introduced himself to Abraham as the God who provides. The God who shows up and provides. And God provided that day for Abraham so that he wouldn't have to sacrifice his son. And you see, now, because you know, because a lot of times we say, oh man, I wish God would show up and reveal His name to me. Well, I, don't, sometimes, I, I think sometimes it's better to read the stories than have, have to go through the crisis in that situation. I would rather read the story and learn from that than have to go through it myself just to get that name. Amen? I mean, you understand that. But sometimes when we're in the middle of a crisis and we're in the middle of a hard time in our life, God will show up and He will provide and He will, he will heal and He will take care of us and He will do these things to us. And it allows us to know more and more about who God is and what He is like, and how that how you know how He wants to relate to us. So the first thing that we have to realize as we look through all of these things is this: is that these names come from God, not man. And that's very important because it's not something that man just made up, but it is something that that we understand that that it was God saying, "This is who I am." Then, secondly, I want you to know this: is that these names. And this is the incredible thing about the the Hebrew and Greek language. These names are almost like a picture. When God shows up and reveals Himself as Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Nisi or Jehovah Sidkenu or Jehovah uh, Rafi, uh, you know, like the he, he like for example, when uh, when He was delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible says He shows up and He told them, He says, "I am the Lord who heals thee." And in the, in the original language, that was Jehovah Rafi. And what he was telling them was this. And, and like I said, if you look at it like a picture, it was like a picture. And when you look at that name, it, it, it includes every promise that you will ever need for healing. When God showed up and said, I am the Lord that heals thee. And the Bible says that that whole nation, whether, it's, whether it was one million or five million, we don't know how many exactly uh, was delivered that day, but, or, you know, from that time. But regardless of the fact, the Bible says that, that that large group of people came out and not one person was sick among them. Why was not one person sick? Because God showed up and revealed Himself as Jehovah Rafi, the Lord who heals you. And see, and when we look at that picture, when we look at that name, we step back and we look at it and we say, we say, within that name, within the name Jehovah Rafi, it, it includes every promise that I will ever need. There's nothing about healing that I will ever need that's not included in that name. That is incredible. And see, it's like a, it's like a picture that has every promise included in it. And then, the third thing I want us to do, and we'll do this every week as we look at this, the third thing I, w- I want to ask a question every week when we reveal these new names. And sometimes we may look at a couple different names. Uh, in one week, and sometimes it may just be one name. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I know God that, in that way? In other words, if God reveals Himself as, as the God who heals, then the question I need to ask is this. Do I see God as my healer? If, if, if God introduces Himself as Jehovah Jireh, the, the Lord who provides, then I need to ask myself, do I see God as my provider? You know, the Lord, uh, you know, will, I mean, uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness. Do I see God as my righteousness? 
You know, um, and, and these are some of the names we'll look at. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah my peace. Do I see God as my peace? Do I look to Him when I need peace? You know, and because if you don't see yourself that way, if you don't see God that way, then you're not taking advantage of every promise that He has in there for you. The God who delivers, the God who saves. You know, I mean, there's so many different names that God has. So we'll ask ourselves, we'll ask ourselves the question, do I see God in that way? Because here's, here's the, here's something that, that, uh, is really big. In this, and I've never really seen this like this until I started studying this the last couple of weeks as the Lord started speaking to me in this. You know, turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, and we'll see this. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, and uh, this is where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6. And, and uh, the model prayer that he gave there was what we call the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's more the disciples' prayer than the Lord's Prayer, but we've titled it the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> and as he was teaching them, in verse number 9, he said this, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he said this, he said, uh, In this manner, therefore, pray. And Jesus was teaching his disciples this. And he said this, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Now, a lot of times, you know, we read that and we think, you know, hallowed. I mean, that's a word we don't use. You know, and, and we just blow right by that and we don't think, we don't really think about it. Um, the Amplified adds this in parentheses for the word hallowed. It says, kept holy. You know, uh, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or kept holy be your name. So, so what Jesus was saying was this, His name needs to be holy to us. Now what does it mean to have something to be holy? What does it mean to, to honor something? Like another word we might say is honored. You know, like for example, if, if uh, of course this might not be the greatest example today because with all this stuff going on around the world, but, but, but we, we would always say this, and this is an example I've used many times. You know, if, if the President of the United States walked in today, you know, I don't know that any of us would look at him and say, Hey, Donnie J, how you doing? You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't address him like that. Why? Because he's president. You know, we would say, Mr. President, it's an honor to have you here with us. Right? I mean, I would hope we would, I would hope we still honor the office of the president like that. We should still honor the office of the president, regardless of who's in it. And you know, why? Because, because the, because the office of the president is a, is a uh, respected office, right? And it should be. And, you know, so Jesus, Jesus here told His, his disciples, He said, when you pray, when you, when you start talking about our Father who is in heaven, he says, he says, that name should be kept holy to you. Now, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that take the name of the Lord in vain. They use the name of the Lord. And, and so many times, we were talking about this this morning, and so many times, you know, people do it and they don't even think about it. You hear people saying, you hear people say like, like all the time, Oh my Lord, or Oh God, you know, or, or my God, or something like that, when something happens. And, and unfortunately, they're not, they're not hallowing that name. They're not keeping that name holy. They just made it a, they just made it a, 
uh, normal thing that they say, and they've taken the holiness out of it. And even worse than that, you hear people say uh, the phrase, you know, you hear people damning things in God's name. You never hear people say, you know, you never hear people damn things in Buddha's name or in Muhammad's name, but they always tend to do it in God's name. And and what and and you know, and the whole thing behind that, when you take a name in vain, the word vain means this. I looked it up, and the word vain means this. It means to empty or to make without meaning. So when you take when you take the Lord's name in vain, you empty everything that you empty everything that that name means. Now let me ask you this: How do we take the Lord's name in vain? Because you might say, "Well, I don't cuss. I don't, you know. I mean, I don't. I don't say words like that. I don't, you know." And and probably, and to be honest with you, all of us have been guilty of, of you know, some form of doing that at some point or another. But but the Lord showed me this week one of the ways that we take the Lord's name in vain, and probably every one of us in here have done this countless times and not even realized it. Is this? Is when you when we uh, uh, ascribe or when we uh, say that you know well, well I'll just use for example we talked about Jehovah Rapha the the Lord who heals and you know so God introduced Himself to the children of Israel to the nation to you know as the God who heals and He healed everybody in that in that time and you know that when they walked out of there and not one person was sick. So he he introduced himself as the God who heals. So when we when we turn around and say, "Well, I'm not sure whether it's God's will to heal," what we just did is we just took God's name in vain because we emptied who he said he was. We emptied that of all the power and we said, "I really don't think that's who you are." And that is a dangerous thing to do. You know, have you ever, has this ever happened to you? Because, because see, what, because a lot of the problem is people have not been taught right to begin with. You know, I'll never forget, um, I'll never forget, we, Stacy and I had, uh, we had just moved and, and we were in a new place and we didn't know a lot of people and, and some of the people that were, uh, you know, that, that we respected and that we, that we trusted, um, they started talking to us and they started saying things like this. Now watch out for this person because they're like this. And this person over here, you've got to be careful with this person because here's what they do. And, and, they, and we started, and, and you know, immediately in our mind, before we ever met somebody, we already had a preconceived idea of who they were. Well, the, over, over, the, over time... We started noticing, we started saying, we don't even see that at all in that person. But yet, for, for a long period of time, we had the idea that they, this person was like this, just simply because somebody told us that's how they were. And you see, so many people have a picture of God, they don't believe that God's a healer because they have not been taught that God heals. So many times people think that God is mad at them. They don't understand that God is a good God because they've been taught. They've been taught wrongly about God. So they, so they are, their thoughts are in vain toward God because God says He is a good God and that He loves us. And yet here we have, we have whole groups of people that think God is angry at them and wants to, wants to take them out the next time they mess up. 
And it's simply because they've been taught wrong. That they just don't know the truth. So sometimes, sometimes we, we, we are vain in our thoughts towards, toward God simply because of our own ignorance. So that is the very reason, that's one of the main reasons why when the Lord started speaking to me about this, He he told me this, He said, I spoke to you and I told you at the beginning of this year, I wanted you to see things the way I saw them. He said, so I want you to teach who I am through my names so that people will know when they come into that situation, they will know who I am and what to expect of me. And it's not going to be just an opinion, but it's going to be what the Word says. What He said about Himself. And we're going to see God as He, as God sees Himself. And when God introduces Himself to us, when He comes in and says, this is who I am, and this is who I want to be to you, then that is what, that's the way we need to see Him. Yeah. And anything that we, anything that we say or do that goes against that, then we will be taking His name in vain and we will be emptying it of all the promise, emptying it of all the power, and we will make it... What was the other definition? Uh, to, to Vain is to empty or to be without meaning. We will take away meaning out of who God wants to be. We will take away who He wants to be to us and we'll make Him something else. And I don't, I don't want to do that. Amen. I want to make sure that everything, every word I say about him is true. That everything that everything that uh, that that we that we present to you is from what the word says. And especially even in my life, I want to make sure that my beliefs match up to who he said he is. Because if I believe something different than who he says he is, then I'm setting myself up for failure. Amen. So it is very important for us to find out who God says He is so that we can, so that we can know that. So the opposite of, the opposite of hallowing or making holy His name is to take His name in vain. And I don't think any of us will want to do that. Uh, turn with me to Malachi. You're right there in Matthew. Turn with me back over just a couple pages to Malachi. And this is always, this has always been an interesting, uh, scripture. To me, and he says this. Uh, look at uh, verse thirteen, verse thir- Malachi three. I'm sorry, Malachi three, verse thirteen. And of course, we read this a lot. A lot of times, we read this scripture in reference to uh, tithing and giving, because up in verse eight, he talks about, "Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me." But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And, and then the Lord says, in tithes and offerings. You know, so we read this a lot of times in, in reference to tithes and offerings. But if you skip down to uh, verse 13, I want you to see this. Notice in verse 13, the prophet said this. He's speaking, this is God speaking through the prophet. And God is saying this. He says, in, in Malachi 3.13, he says, Your words have been, uh, the King James says, stout. The New King James says, harsh. But says, your words have been harsh against me. Now, I don't know anybody in their right mind that would speak harsh words against God. Right? Now, you have people that hate God and people that don't want nothing to do with God. They may say harsh words. But, but in general, now he's, but he's talking to, he's talking to people that love him. And here, but yet here the Lord said, your words have been stout against me. 
And then it says, it says, yet, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? <laughs> and then it says, uh, in verse 14, it says, you have said, and God, God re- replies, says, you have said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept His ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. And, and in other words, what he said was this. And, and, I, and you know, and probably, probably uh, the reality is we've all probably said this at some point in our life and had this thought. Well, man, I've trusted God for 20 years and I, all I've done is struggle. I don't know what good that's done me. Now, we may not say those exact words, but, but how many of you know that, that, that when we question whether God's going to do something or not, it's the same thing. When we start saying, well, God, you know, I've been a tither and I've been a giver and, and you know, and, and man, I struggled just, I've struggled all these years. Why, what's up with that? That's saying, God, you're not faithful to your word. And here, the prophet is saying this, that God thinks that those words are stout against Him. In other words, they're in His face. And for us, I believe it's very important for us, as we go through our lives and as we're believing God and trusting God, I believe it's very important for us not to use our words against Him. That we need to make sure that what we say lines up with what He says. You look at Jesus, I know we, we say this a lot and we use this verse a lot, but Jesus said time and time again, He would say things like, you know, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. Well, if, if Jesus said that, then how much more important is it for us to do that? Right? I mean, if Jesus said, you know, look, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna allow words that, you know, Bill Johnson puts it this way. Bill Johnson says, you know, I don't have, I don't have time to think thoughts that God doesn't think about me. Because if I'm thinking something about myself that God doesn't think about me, then I'm going against what God says. And I'm wasting time. Matter of fact, I'm backing up. Right? So Jesus Himself said, He said, I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father do. So, so the, question, the question there then is this. How do we learn what God says? Well, we go to the Word. How do we learn who God is? We go to the Word. We see what the Word says, what God says about Himself, and when we see what God says about Himself, then we agree with that, and we don't speak anything opposite of that. Now, let me just mention this for a second, because Stacy got on to me uh, even this morning. We were talking about this, and, and, uh, and you know, it's so easy, it's so easy to... Uh, to say things and not, um, let me think how to, how to even word that. It's so easy to get into the flow of just saying things that, that are happening and, and not realize that, you're, that you are contributing to the problem. You know, because, and, and, I, and I'll share with you what, I, what we were talking about. We were talking about, you know, with all the chaos and everything going on and, and I had watched some things yesterday, uh, some sermons and stuff, and I was telling Stacey about them, and and uh, and, and and I made this comment. And see, and, and without even realizing it, we say things, 
we say things like this and we don't realize, um, you know, that we're really setting ourselves up and we're, we're falling right into line with what the enemy wants us to do. Because I made this comment. I said, well, you know, I said, well, you know, after all these riots are over and everything, I said, I said, the next thing that's going to happen is, is there's going to be a shooting somewhere. You know, and, and she just stopped and she looked at me and she says, why did you say that? You know, why are you prophesying that? And I said, well, here's what I meant. She's like, but this is what you said. And you know what? I mean, and, and, and at first I got mad. I was like, I was like, well, I know what I meant. <laughs> you know, but, but the reality is, that's what I meant wasn't necessarily what I said. And, and that, was, that, that, that was just a reminder to me that we have to be careful that we don't just fall in line and repeat what the media is saying. You know, repeat. And we say things, we say things like, you know, we say things like that all the time. Like, uh, well, I mean, you know, and, and you, can, you can fill in the blanks as far as, as far as that, but you understand what I'm saying. We have to be very careful that we don't just, that we just don't repeat, that we don't become parrots or we don't become echoes instead of voices. That we just don't repeat what everybody else is saying and fall in line and then, and then just expect to have a different result. Because listen, the reality is if you keep doing the same thing you're doing and expecting a different result, that's the definition of insanity. So we want to be a voice, not an echo. We want to declare the truth, not repeat the lie. You know, and you've heard this many times, but, but a lie has no power over to you, over you until you believe it. And what is the, what is the agenda, the agenda of communism, the agenda of, of, you know, people that are trying to convince you of something or, 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 or something like that, they will just keep repeating a lie over and over and over again until you start believing it. And when you start believing the lie, then guess what? It just has it just it just became powerful over you because now you empowered it. But as long as you're believing the truth and speaking the truth, then whatever I don't care what is said, I don't care who says it. It has no power over you. Amen. Amen. The only thing that has power over you is what you believe and what you empower in your own life. And so, so it's important for us to look at, at who God said He is and to agree with Him so that we are in step with, with our Father and not going against Him. So, so the next few weeks we're going to be looking at, um, like I said, I've probably got about eight or nine names. We're, next week we're going, to, we're going to look at Elohim, which is the God, the Creator, and and from Genesis, and and then we're going to look at like Jehovah and Adonai. We're going to look at those probably the next week, and then we're going to start getting into the the compound names like Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rafi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, the, the Lord my banner. I mean, there's so, many, there's so many different names. I've got about probably about ten different ones picked out that we're going to look at. But every one of them, see, here's the incredible thing. Like I said, every one of them you can find in the life of Jesus. And you can see Him either teaching about it or walking it out and demonstrating what it means how how that that name can go into your life practically to where you can where you can 
put it into your life and it become powerful in your life. Because here, I mean, the reality of it is this. Is if, is if we just read the Bible and it doesn't affect our day-to-day life, we're just reading a book. This Word should be impacting how we live. This Word should be making a difference in our life. Amen, preacher. <laughs> it should. If, it's not, if the Word is not changing you, then, then you're doing something wrong. Because this Word, the Bible says this Word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's even able to divide between soul and spirit. Isn't that something? Brother Hagin, when he taught on when he taught on that, when he teach on being a, a three part being, he said he asked some of the some of the leading people of that day if there was a difference between spirit and soul, and he said the majority of them would say, "Well, as far as I can tell, there's no difference." But the Bible says that there's a difference. Amen. And we need to make sure that we that we that we say what the Word says. And that we line up with what he says, because if we if we agree with anything else or we're teaching something else, then we're going to be in trouble. We're setting ourselves up for failure. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to finish up. I finished up a little bit early this morning, but that's all right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think this week, and I want you to meditate on the names of God. I want you to maybe do maybe do a study. Print you out a. You know, you can go and just to Google and or anywhere or a Bible program and and print out, you know, type in the names of God and print out a list of the names of God and just be meditating on those so that when we when we talk about them and when we when we go over these, that they're fresh in your spirit and that you that you you know, that you've got an idea, somewhat of an idea of what they mean, because if you don't know if, if you if you if you're clueless about what the names of God mean, then you're not walking in their promises. You're, you know, like I said, remember, each one of these names is like a picture. And inside that picture is every promise that you'll ever need in that area. And think about this. He says that He's our healer. He's our Savior. He's our peace. He's our righteousness. He's, he's our sanctification. I mean, Jehovah is present. You know, I mean, some of these names, he, he, He's our healer, He's our provider, He's our shepherd, He's the banner over us. I mean, these names are full of, of promises that will get us through every, every situation in life. Every situation that you will ever face, God has revealed Himself by His name to answer that problem. The question, the question becomes, do I know Him that way? If I if I have sickness in my body and I can't seem to get over it, then I have to really I have to I have to look at myself and ask myself the question, do I know God is my healer? If I have if if, if I've lost my peace and I'm I'm uncomfortable and I don't know, you know, I, I I'm just going every which way and I'm I'm tossed to and fro, then I have to ask myself, do I know God as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace? You see, each one of these names, they, it, it provides the promise to walk in them. To walk in peace and healing and, and righteousness and sanctification and, 
and you know to be for him to be our shepherd and, and the banner over us. I mean, there's so much truth in that, and we're going to look at all of these, and we're going to see that he is the God that is more than enough in every situation. Amen. So I just I just wet your whistle this morning. Amen. I just uh, just gave you enough to get, get hopefully to to stir you up and get you hungry to want to learn more and to to come expecting every week the next you know five six seven weeks however long we're on this to to learn more about the names of God and to to understand the importance of the names and and what goes in and remember because God thinks that names are very important. You know, we see that, that, that picture we put up of the, the first ten names of the Bible. You see, He gave His plan of redemption through the first ten names of the Bible. And one of the names reveals Himself. The psalmist David said, I think it's in Psalm 52. I don't know if we looked at that one or not. But, but in Psalm 52, verse 9, I believe it is, He said this, He said, He said, His name is good. He is a good, good Father. And that's and and he revealed himself as a good father, and he is good. So I, we want to see him like that, amen. And so whatever whatever it is you're facing, pray and ask the Lord. Lord, reveal yourself. Show me show me who you are in this situation. Because like I said, every time every time he wanted to reveal himself, he would introduce himself as a name. And if you and if you've had the if somebody has presented him wrongly to you and you have a wrong belief about something, God will reveal Himself to you, and you have to be willing to be teachable. I, I, think, I, I think I shared this Wednesday night, uh, but I heard somebody in a sermon this week say this. He said that God loves fat people. That got my attention. I was like, really? I was like, that's good, I guess. Got a little extra weight on me. But he said this. He said, he said God loves fat people. And he said the analogy for fat is this. Faithful, available, and teachable. God loves faithful people. He loves people that are available. And I think mostly He loves people that are teachable. Because see, if you have a wrong belief about something, you have to be teachable before you'll ever change that belief. You have to be faithful. You have to be available. But one of the greatest, one of the greatest attributes you can have is to be teachable. And to let God teach you and to correct you, and, and to have a repentant heart to where you can change your beliefs about something. If you've always seen God as angry at you, then you have to repent of that. You have to turn and change your beliefs to where you see God as a God that's good toward you. If you've always believed that God puts sickness on people, then you have to repent of that. You have to turn. When you realize that He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, you have to change your thoughts and change the way you think about that situation and see God as the God who heals, not as the God who brings sickness. You have to be teachable and repentant. Amen. And when you're that way, when you're faithful, available, and teachable and repentant, then man, God can do big things with you. Amen. And that's, and that's a good place to be. Amen. And we're, and we're all going to get there. We're all going to learn these names. We're going to see the importance of it. And praise God, we're going we're gonna to walk in the promises that are ours and the blessings that are ours when we understand who we are, who He is, and who He wants to be to you. That's, that's, a, that's a great thing. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads and we're going to finish up this morning.